The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Help! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 279 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. Our topic today is a family caregiver journey caring for pancreatic cancer. The pancreas is a gland positioned behind the stomach and in front of the spine. It produces insulin, which is the hormone that controls blood sugar levels, and it produces fluids that help digest the food in the intestines. Pancreatic cancer is the fourth leading cause of cancer-related death in the United States and Canada. It has the highest death rate of all major cancers. 75% of patients die within the first year after diagnosis, and 94% of persons with pancreatic cancer die within five years. It's a silent killer. That's its reputation because it spreads so quickly. And to make matters more difficult, it's, it's hard to detect and treat because its symptoms, such as back or abdominal pain, jaundice and nausea, are vague and usually become noticeable only after the cancer has reached an advanced stage. And pancreatic cancer is one of the most feared diagnoses that physicians announce to their patients and to their patients' family caregivers, which is why our topic a family caregiver journey caring for pancreatic cancer is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Deet Stroh. Now, Deet Stroh's beloved wife, Margaret, was stricken with pancreatic cancer. He became her family caregiver and traveled with her on their journey of anguish and fear. He describes their journey in his book, Three Months a caretaker's journey from heartbreak to hope. He describes the journey to his readers, a journey which involved comforting his dying wife, navigating the medical system, and preserving his own health and functioning. An engineer by trade, he'd founded, he's founded Stuber Stroh Associates, a civil engineering firm that grew into CSW Stuber Stroh Engineering Group in Novato, California, with offices in Sonoma County and Sacramento. He managed the Marin Municipal Water District during one of the worst droughts on record. He's a director of the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District, and he's a member of the board of directors of the Bank of Marin. He's 
active in the community and has been a member of many statewide and national boards. So welcome to the show, Deet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right. Now, first question for you. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and in particular, your life with Margaret. Deet? Well, uh, as you have already indicated what I've been through, and, and, and I used to, uh, when I came out of college uh, with an engineering degree, I went to work for a water agency here in California and spent 20 years there and became, in the last seven of that, general manager. Uh, during that process, I had met Margaret at the time, and um, anyway, we married uh, some time ago, obviously, and uh, we live, had a great life together. We um, traveled a lot. Uh, we had a, we worked in a vegetable garden. She loved to garden. She loved to cook. Uh, we built house together, and uh, we just kind of. A neat, neat relationship that was a very loving relationship, but uh, she um, unfortunately was stricken with pancreatic cancer, and, uh, which, of course, like like you already said, it's devastating. And once you get a you're at a stage four, it's it's kind of over. We kind of knew it at the time, but uh, you always have that idea of hope. But we. Um, and I have since then, that was in in '09 when she died, and since then have gone on to do other things. Actually, I'm remarried. It took me another year and a half for that, but that was good. But I went through a very grieving period like everybody does. Now, I'd like you to tell us about your book. It's titled Three Months, and it's, it's a movement in the title From Heartbreak to Hope. Please tell us about the book. Well, what actually happened was uh, I didn't start out writing a book. I actually, uh, at night after Margaret died, I spent the evenings uh, making notes of what went on. And quite frankly, I don't know why I started that, other than I think it helped me get through the grieving process. And uh, uh, notes about anything that went on, humor to uh, how the cats reacted to her sickness, to her the room that she was in, that the last three months that she lived in, um, showing her her, her flowers uh, in a wheelchair, putting out in the yard and looking at her flowers, all kinds of different things. Friends went on and on. Anyway, about four or five months through that process, I said to myself, I wonder if this would be good to put into a book, along with uh, the caregiving stuff that I learned. And... And that's how the book got started, and uh, a good friend of mine helped me work through that, uh, who also run through, uh, went through a cancer problem himself, not himself, but his father did, died of, of, um, of lung cancer. Anyway, uh, it, it, was, it was a process that um, helped me get through it. And so we wrote the book, or put the book together, and uh, it's not a book that we don't want to people to walk away from with sadness from it, but what actually you go through, what you, what happens to you, what what goes through your mind when you when you uh, go through this whole thing, and uh, obviously the first told, when you first told that uh, uh, Margaret had the cancer, it was a devastating blow, and we hugged each other and we cried and. Uh, we knew intuitively that there was a real problem, and we didn't know exactly what we had hold of. But uh, 
we knew that it wasn't good, and it took time to learn more about it and what have you, but it's, um, it's a process. Yeah. Now, I want you, in the next question, I'd like to ask you, please, to go back in time to the very first day that you and Margaret set out on your journey with pancreatic cancer and the things you talked about. Please, please go back to that day and recall it for us. Deed? Well, it's um, still very vivid in my mind. It was uh, actually December twenty uh, second. Uh, what had happened really was that when we, we, before that we had uh, we were down in Texas visiting her mother for Thanksgiving, and as we came back on the airplane, Margaret kept saying to me, "I'm full. I feel very full." And I said, "Well, you probably ate too much," but kind of kiddingly, and she said, "No, no, it's not that. I just feel full." I said, "Well, you could." Let's get a doctor's appointment, what have you. And that was end of November. By the time we went through the whole medical thing, it finally was decided to do a CAT scan uh, on the 22nd of uh, December of 08. And the uh, doctor came in and, of course, uh, explained to us what went on. She had a major tumor on her pancreas and it had the cancer cells that spit off to various other areas in her abdominal cavity and uh, literally she had metastasized and has cancer all over, abdominal walls and everything else. So we knew, as I said, uh, when he told us that, uh, uh, we just kind of looked at each other and hugged and cried and then and, and, uh, and Margaret said something very interesting. She says, I'm glad I'm the first one to go. Uh, and that, of course, was brought a whole group of new tears along, but but at the same time, then she said, which was her interesting humor, she says, well, uh, Merry Christmas, great Christmas present. So that night was kind of tough. Uh, we were up in her room where they put her up in the room, and, uh, and the, the reason she was full was because of the abdominal cavity was full of liquid, which is kind of a normal process with uh, this type of thing. The uh, body tries to tries to ward off any kind of issues, so it puts fluid into the area that she had the cancer. So it had to be drained, and it took another day and a half before she got drained and at the hospital. But we spent the night there. I spent the night there with her and uh, um, talked a lot about a lot of different things and not knowing yet what we really had hold of and what, what did it all mean. Did she have a month? Did she have three months? Did she have a year or ten years? We didn't know. We knew it was terminal, but that's all we knew. Um, so that's kind of the way it all got started. And as she finally they they drained her abdominal cavity. She felt much better. Of course, we went home and and uh, we had to try to have Christmas Eve with all the, my daughters and grandkids and what have you. She was there. She was sat there with it. But that was the last time she actually uh, really was 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 with what was going on. I think you're going to say yes to this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would you say that the conversations, conversation, the conversations that you and Margaret had together would be the conversations that pretty well any married couple facing this diagnosis would be going through? Deet? I think so. I, don't, I, I think it, uh, it, it's it's a what I'm finding over time now in talking to a lot of different people that have experienced kind of a similar situation, uh, you get the same kind of uh, discussion that went on between the two. And uh, um, 
although people react to it differently, it's, it's rather interesting. Some some go into a very negative attitude, uh, and I can't be, it won't happen, I'm not, uh, or or whatever. But they, uh, you're right. I think people you go through the same stuff. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Now, what that really comes to, I think, is what you're sharing in your book, as well as in this episode, is that conversation, which really is fundamental to starting out on the journey arm in arm, not knowing where the journey is going to end, how long it's going to take, but nevertheless traveling together. And that's the message that I've got from you so far. Now, in the next segments, we're going to talk more about these things. But right now, it's time to take a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Deet Stroh. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Are you taking full advantage of all the lessons that your life is trying to teach you? These lessons are the building blocks of who you are and who you will ultimately become. On Waking Up, Learning What Your Life is Trying to Teach You, host John Earle will show you how to discover your life's lessons and how to use these lessons to transform your life into a deeper and more profound experience. Discover the meaning of your existence. Tune in to Waking Up, Learning What Your Life is Trying to Teach You, Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Deet Stroh. Our topic is a family caregiver journey caring for pancreatic cancer. Now, Deet, let's talk about the challenges, the challenges created for you and for your wife during your journey together with the pancreatic cancer. So my first question is, please tell us about the challenges created for your wife by the pancreatic cancer. What were those challenges, Deet? Uh, you're talking about what she went through, what she's going through, what she was feeling. 
Yes. Okay. Um, Margaret was a very interesting individual, uh, and as much as she kept to herself a lot about her her internal feelings, her emotions. Um, she was not a cold person or anything like that, but she didn't get into a lot of, she didn't complain a lot, let's put it that way. And one of the interesting things through the three months, we never, never talked about death. We both knew what was going on, and we didn't have to talk about death. We already knew what was going to happen after she died and all the stuff that was going to happen as far as uh, memorial service and what have you. So we more or less went into what she so she didn't talk too much about it. What she hated was the nausea. Uh, she was a very fastidious woman, and uh, she did not like, uh, she liked to keep her hair brushed, uh, her teeth brushed, uh, uh, whatever she could do to take care of herself. And she wanted to do it herself as long as she could. Um, and then part of the, this whole thing that happened was that we didn't realize at the time that that her bowel got blocked and therefore she couldn't eliminate. So they did a bypass surgery and I had to learn how to take care of the bag and clean it and all that. And I thought I thought Margaret was going to have a real problem with this, but she didn't. She uh, accepted the fact that that's what was going on. That was the other piece of it. Margaret would accept, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that. And so, but she... Uh, she has there was a lot of little things that made her happy. If you if a person can be happy, and she would smile and laugh. She loved to watch movies, uh, and then she loved to have. Uh, she couldn't eat much, but she loved to have her ice cream. And uh, her humor never went away. Her humor never went away. Uh, I think the funniest story about that three days prior to her dying that she was being uh, washed down or or I'd say. Uh, cleaned up a little bit in the bed with she was completely nude laying there in a bed. I walked into the into the room while the my daughter in law was fixed taking care of all that and Margaret put poked her head up and looked at me and said, What are you doing in here, you dirty old man? And I said, Being a dirty old man So she still had that humor and still had that lovingly person about her. But she didn't talk much about what was really going on. Right. Dee, just a very quick question. Is that um, a reaction, that exchange between the two of you in that situation so, so soon to be followed by her death, was that a hope? Was that an element of hope in the relationship? <laughs> you know, that's the funny phenomenon that gets in your head. I think she had it and I know I had it was that uh, you always had hope uh, that she, somehow or another some miracle was going to happen and she was not going to die and there were, some cure would come along to take care of the issue. Uh, we're very logical people and very uh, pragmatic about life, but at the same time you have that in the back of your head. And I think uh, just the, the matter of fact of wheeling her out in a wheelchair out looking at her flowers in her yard or when the, all of it blooming, and uh, and she just simply said, "This is the most beautiful thing in the world." And they don't lose all that. You know, it's, it's good. It's really good. It helps you get through it. Yes, it does. Now, please tell us about the challenges created for you by Margaret's pancreatic cancer. What were the challenges you experienced, Deed? Well, <laughs> it's very difficult to kind of sum that stuff up. It, 
obviously right off the bat it was it was fear what what are we facing uh, until we were told by the oncologist just uh, that she might have nine months to a year to live and uh, with uh, with chemo and all that and then with my engineering background, it was one of, okay, we'll take care of this problem. Let's get that one taken care of. We'll take care of this. We'll do that, this, whatever it took to, to, to move along. Um, my quiet moments were full of, uh, of uh, what do I do now? Uh, will I be able to handle all this? Uh, will I be able to make it through it? Um, and I really didn't think too much making it through it as much as, Maybe maybe she'll come out of this. Maybe she'll come out of this. But you know, again, as I said earlier, it, 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 it's it's not in the cards. But at the same time, you're going through a lot of stuff within yourself that uh, uh, you're not quite sure what you got hold of. But but you do. You grab hold of it. And one of the things I did was keep busy. I kept busy with with not only my business but other things going on and. Uh, being part of what was happening in the house and taking care of the animals, the cats, and the garden, and I just kept kept doing the normal routine. I think that's key to being come out of this thing somewhat sane. Right. Now it's the same question, but I want you to focus on you and Margaret together. The challenges that were created for you during this journey. You together as two people. Um, facing something, but not necessarily talking about it in full, but recognizing it as the likelihood. What were the challenges that kind of situation created for you both together? Pete? Well, as I said earlier, the two of us, we had a great sense of humor between the two of us. We enjoyed each other, obviously, and and, and so we kept that going. Um Many a time I would look at her and uh, say, do you think we'd ever be doing this type of thing? And she would look at me and she'd say, well, I don't know if you're doing it right in the first place. And I says, well, I'm doing it right. You want to do it? And she says, no, 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 you're doing okay. But uh, a lot of little things went on like that. And I knew what she sort of likes, what she, what, her, uh, what she liked doing, as I said earlier, that... I said, well, you'd like to go outside and sit in the sunshine and, and look at your rhododendrons. And she says, I'd like to do that. I said, okay. So we go out, and uh, we live kind of on a hillside, and I push her up on the driveway, and the driveway drops down to the road. And I says, I think I'm going to let you go. No, 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 don't, don't let me go, don't let me go. I said, oh, I wouldn't do that. But, and it went the other way, too. She would look at me and says, you okay? You okay? <clears throat> so it became kind of almost a mutual thing that we, we kind of understood each other and understood what's going on and how we handle each other's uh, stuff. And I'd say, you want to watch the movies? Says, yes, I'd like to watch the movies. Most of the time, I don't think she knew what was going on, but she had that proverbial smile on her face. And um, which made, and I, 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 that's one of the other things I never did, I never cried in front of her. And I never talked negative. I never was always positive. And she did the same thing in many respects. I said, how was the shower? The shower good? She said, oh, that felt so good. That felt so good. So. Now let's just go a little bit further down in this particular part of the discussion. You were two people traveling together, and there were things that you 
did do with each other, and you've just mentioned one that you didn't do together, or you didn't anyway, and that is to cry. Yeah. But at the same time, is it right to say that she fully understood your emotions and what you were going through? In other words, you were not really hiding anything from her. You were just behaving together in a particular way that suited you both. But then nevertheless, she knew and understood the feelings that you had about you both and about what she was going through. Is that right? Yes. <clears throat> very. <clears throat> Pardon me. Hold on. <clears throat> yes, very much so. Gee, um, in fact, as you, if you read the book, I know you did, the, in her little diary, she talks about that. She says, I feel sorry for Deed. I know what he's going through, and I really feel for him. Um, so, yes, there was, the, 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 I think it was inherent in, in our looks at each other, uh, conversations with each other, uh, whatever was going on. And uh, it was always that, I'm glad you're here type of thing. Yeah. Dee, now, a tougher question somewhat, but were there ever days when you wondered if you were doing enough, whether you were doing what you really had to do well enough? Were there any days in which you doubted yourself in all of this, Deet? Um, not really. I We were pretty well set in the routine, on a daily routine with her, uh, especially that last month, and uh, the process was obviously one of waking up in the morning and, and, and getting making sure she had her meds, medications, and, and whatever food she had, um, and then letting her brush her hair and brush her teeth and get herself orderly, and she loved to have put on a new, new, uh, new uh, uh, um, pajamas or... Uh, that type of thing. She loved to kind of dress up, if you will. And then sometimes she'd wrap her up and push her out in a wheelchair and out in the room and do that stuff. Um, she, uh, it was, it was I, I don't think I ever felt that I wasn't doing enough because um, I couldn't do much more except maintain her, maintain her as well as I could. I think one of the most interesting conversations we had was the last month where she was in the hospital because she had gotten a staph infection and she'd gotten over that. And so we're talking to the oncologist and what to do next. And he says, well, you could continue with chemo. And I looked at Margaret and I said, what do you think we should do? She says, what do you think we should do? And I says, let's go home. Let's go home and... Uh, uh, just, just have a pleasant stay at home, and that's that last month was one of the best months if you ever have a good month in this thing because we just kind of maintained until she just drifted off, and that was it. Deep, that's a very powerful statement you've just made, a very moving statement, and I'm going to now just take the break because when we come back I want to talk more with you about those kinds of reactions but I just want to say to you how much I appreciated what you just said you. about that last month Thank you. so it, it's time for the break this is Dr. Gordon Athey and my guest is Deet Stroh you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily. Radio to thrive by. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel you are listening to family caregivers unite with dr gordon atherley if you have any questions or comments about our program please address them by email to doc g at family that's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Deet Stroh. Our topic is A Family Caregiver Journey Caring for Pancreatic Cancer. Deet, I want to talk more about the ways you and your wife overcame or worked around the challenges during your journey with pancreatic cancer. I say to talk more because you've already said a lot about the ways in which you together and you individually um, overcame or worked around challenges. But I want to explore that more because people who are listening to you um, will draw help from the kind of things you say and you know that because you wrote your book and I think that was one of the intentions of your book so let's talk more deep first of all about the ways in which your wife overcame or worked around the challenges that the pancreatic cancer created for her tell us more about that well she um, I think it's difficult to put you really put your finger on exactly what went on and, and, and with her as far as how she coped with it. I think as soon as she found out that 22nd of December that she had what she had, she intuitively knew, we both knew, uh, that, you know, this this was going to be a problem. And, and as she said, uh, I'm glad I'm the first one to go. And then it was just a matter of time and how she uh, got through that three months. And, 
each problem that occurred, uh, as I say, she had to have the bypass surgery, and then she got a staph infection, and uh, <clears throat> each layer of that created another layer of, of okay, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And that last month that we had together was one more of, of calmness, really calmness. Um, in fact, that morning that she did die, I talked to her briefly, and then I went off to the office, and then I was called at noontime by my stepdaughter who said, uh, Mom just passed away, and, and and she passed away very peacefully. It was kind of interesting. She, uh, We were giving her medicine, and she was kind of leaning up against my stepdaughter's shoulder, and, and then all of a sudden she was gone. So... Um, she didn't talk much about much of anything other than what was going on immediately. She, uh, I would say, did you like that movie? She said, oh, yes, that was good. That was good. I like that. Or she'd have friends or friends would come over and they'd talk. They'd do all the talking. She didn't talk much. But she sat there smiling and made them feel good, feel that they were welcome. And she really appreciated that. She loved to have people come over. She was very social. Dee, I want to tell you to ask you to tell us more about the ways in which you overcame or worked around the challenges, you know, that were created for you in your family caregiver role. Um, you've said already several things, but I'd just like you to develop a, more of an answer to that question for the sake of other family caregivers who are listening to you. The ways in which you overcame or worked around the challenges. Deed? Well... As I said, I, I, I spent. A, uh, uh, I was busy with various other things, so that I wasn't constantly sitting in the room with her. Uh, no one was. She kind of was her own, did her own thing, and um, I kept busy that way. I uh, and 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 of course, my mind was always there with that. The roughest part, the roughest part, was going to bed at night, and. Um, uh, I ended up having to get some sleeping pills just to be able to sleep and uh, worrying, 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 how is she going to make it? Is she going to make it through the night? Uh, is she going to have uh, a problem with the uh, temperature? Is she going to get a, uh, a flu or, you know, any other complications? And so myself, I kind of climbed inside of other stuff that I could do and keep my mind kind of active or active in what I was handling. For instance, it was a time when I needed to prune the fruit trees, so I was pruning the fruit trees out in the yard and uh, thinking a lot about all this, but knowing I couldn't do a darn thing about it. It was out of my hands, and I could all I could do was make her comfortable, make, make as happy as she could be, and uh, so that she uh, the last portion of her life would be at least a smooth, if that's a funny way of putting it, but I don't know how else to say it. Smooth and peaceful, is that right? I'm sorry? You said the last part of her life would be smooth, and I added smooth and peaceful, is that yes, right? exactly. That's exactly what happened, and um, uh, it was it was kind of neat, because we were in the evenings we would wheel her out, and the, the way we were watching a movie or watching the news or something on television, and she would just sit there and smile on her face. <clears throat> and uh, every so often we would talk with her. If, 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 but she really didn't really 
it was kind of deteriorating and didn't really comprehend what all was going on, but it didn't make any difference. She was seemed to be content inside. Yeah. <clears throat> now, my next question to you, it's always the same theme about how you and your wife together overcame or worked around these challenges. And I want, you, I want to put something to you in this way, that from the very beginning, you both accepted that the end of this journey um, was, in fact, death of Margaret. Um, you may not have put it into so many words to each other, but that was something that you understood between you both. And what followed was your adaptation to what you both had accepted as something that was inevitable. Now, first of all, am I correct in what I just said to you? And in any case, how, in fact, does that idea work through into your lives that it was important to you both to understand and accept something which was, as it turned out, inevitable? Deet? Well, you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what what occurred. Um, we knew what the ultimate what was going to happen ultimately, and and so I think it's important for folks that go through something like this to to accept that fact. A lot of people won't. A lot of people don't like to do that. They don't want to accept it. They'll kind of put their head in the sand, so to speak. We, did, we we basically confronted it only by the fact that it was going to happen. Not that we sat there on a, a minute by minute or hour by hour or day by day, okay, okay, oh, this is bad, this is really bad, and then kind of oi, 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 oh, holy mackerel, the whole world's falling apart. It was just going to happen. And it was just a matter of when and time. So that, uh, but you're right. You, 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 well, you know where you're going. It's like the roadmap's already laid out to you. You know, all of us now, we don't know when this is going to happen to us, but we did know that Margaret's case, that it was going to happen, and it was happening pretty fast. And that's why your title for the book and your theme of the book, The Idea of Journey, I think is so important. That is, it was a journey that you'd set out on, or in which you had been set out on by things that beyond your control. Uh, you understood where it was going, but on the other hand, you lived as normal a life as you possibly could together um, as you traveled the road. Now, first off, is that correct, what I just said to you? Oh, yeah. No question about it. As, as normal as you could under the circumstances, because there was a lot of new things occurring. For instance, she was being fed intravenously, uh, or she did take some food by mouth. Um, the whole business of the bypass bag that had to be cleaned every so often, and we set up a routine to doing all those little, I uh, call them chores, or doing whatever we needed to do to keep her, keep her uh, uh, safe, so to speak, and also at the same time clean and all the rest. And uh, so you, you kind of fall into a routine, and and it generally follows every, on a daily basis. I remember one time talking to my partner two weeks before she passed away. She had at this point it deteriorated so badly that it was kind of difficult to look at her, but I still like to look at her. And um, uh, I said to him, I wish she was gone so she didn't have to suffer. 
But I don't know if she ever suffered, really, because she was on methadone for pain and anti-nausea uh, medicines that took care of that. And, and generally speaking, if, if, if that was all working properly, she never had a problem. And she also, if, in fact, the pain got too bad, uh, she would ask uh, for some drops, which was uh, uh, morphine. And, and, and so she, uh, we were able to manage the whole thing. And that's what you get down to, is managing uh, the process, if you will. Would you say that courage for both of you played a part in all of this? And if you do say yes to that, how much courage is required in situations like this, Deet? I, I don't know if that's the right proper word for it. I think, well, maybe it is. It's, it's accepting Okay, how can we handle it? How can we take get through all of this? Not the negative, just how we when we can do it. We're going to do it. I guess it's courage or or or, or whatever it is. It's it's just you've got to be there. You need to do it. That's all. And and there wasn't a question of running away. If you run away from it, what what does what good does that do? Uh, or you allow the hospital to take care of. That's the reason I brought her home that last month. I know my my, my uh, stepson didn't like that. He thought he was very angry with me that I wouldn't allow her to stay in the hospital. Didn't think I could take care of her. But we took care of her a heck of a lot better at, at home than we did in the hospital. And I I suggest this to people before. People have said we should go through chemo and do all this other stuff. I said, when you have stage four pancreatic cancer, do the best you can, go home, and live out the rest of the person's life, period. Yeah, best you very, can. very strong. Now, once again, it's time for the break, so we'll take that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Deet Stroh. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Deet Stroke. Our topic is a family caregiver journey caring for pancreatic cancer. Now, Deet, I want to explore with you what more you would like to do and to see done to increase help for family caregivers and their family members who are on their journeys with pancreatic cancer. So my first question is you. What more would you like to do to help family caregivers in the, on the journey that you and Margaret travel together? Deet? I think one of the big issues, and we kind of talked about this earlier, I, I, big issues is, is to, accept, to accept what's going on and do the best you can with it. Do the best you can with it. And get as much help or much professional help as you can. I, uh, what happens a lot of times, as I said before, people kind of just kind of go the other way and don't want to, don't want to talk about it or don't want to be involved. Um, I had a sister that died of pancreatic cancer, and that's kind of where my my her son uh, kind of took it to one level of um, I don't want to I don't want to be involved I don't I don't want to be there. I think you have to accept and 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 live as normal life as you can a normal life as you can. Uh, you're, there's going to be differences in the way how that all happens, but it it, it can be normal, and accept that. Um, you get as much professional help as you can, whatever you get that from hospice to. Uh, uh, the medical profession, obviously, and uh, reach out to other people. Reach out. It's okay to hug people, by the way. It's okay to hug. I became quite a hugger. I'd go walk down the street and hug a stranger. I know it sounds stupid, but I did. And it was my way of coping. And uh, it's okay to hug. It's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. Have some humor. Find some humor in, the, in whatever you can. Uh, uh, it's necessary because it breaks the, the uh, tension. And, but it's okay to be emotional. Nothing wrong with that because you have to be. If you don't, you'll you ball it up inside and you'll get sick yourself. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question, but what more would you like, you like to see done by healthcare and social systems to help family caregivers and their family members who are on their journeys? What more would you like to see healthcare and social systems do? Deet, please. Well, you know, it's interesting to bring you ask me a question because I had a uh, my oncologist or, or Margaret's oncologist, the doctor who handled her case. Uh, when after I I read, sent the draft to him, he actually wrote a blurb in the back of the book and commented about the book. But in talking to them personally, he says, Deet, he says, you know. I never knew what people went through when they sat across the table of the desk from me when I told them what was going on. I never realized how what what they actually they went through internally. And I think one of the, I know you're a doctor and and and, and that's great. It, it comes down to I think the medical profession itself can be very helpful from a standpoint of 
explaining more what's occurring uh, technically, but what you're going to go through. One of the problems I kept, I kept asking questions, even hospice, the nurses that came by, what's going to happen? What happens if this happens? I well, uh, we don't know. Well, what what could happen? Well, this could happen, that could. But they don't volunteer that type of thing. They you have to kind of pull it out of everybody. And uh, well, as an example, they said, well, you got to watch out. She doesn't or she doesn't uh, get a fever, and she gets a high temperature because she may may uh, may not may not make it. So I said, well, what what happened? What 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 are we talking about? What how high is it? Well, anything over 105. I said, well, we all know anything over 105 is dangerous. What do we do next? Get her to the hospital. But you have to pull that stuff out. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there needs to be a softer communication between all the professionals and the patients and the, and the caregivers. Because a lot of us, you know, I'm an engineer and I ask questions, but a lot of people don't ask the questions. And then something happens, they don't know what to do about it. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you a different type of question, but it's this. What's your message for family caregivers and their family members who are on their journeys with pancreatic cancer? Um, what do you say to them, Deet? Well, I think right off the bat, when you're, when you're, when you're, front, you're in front of a professional, the doctor, whoever it may be, and you're talking about what's going on, and, and start asking questions, and make notes, make notes, because your mind, emotions, and everything else are gone all screwy, and you, you forget, geez, you come home, and thought, gee, I should have asked that, I should have asked this, I should have asked that. Make notes, and then if you don't, go back and try to find out. If you don't, you don't have the answers, go back and try to get the answers. Um, it's very, very important. I... And I, I, I think the other thing is that be real about what's going on. And I know that sounds very simplistic, but it's important that you accept what's going on and then work with it and live within it. And unbelievably important for your own health, for your own, own safety, for the patient's safety, for the relatives. And, and, and keep everybody informed in the family. Uh, what's going on on a daily basis? I, I actually had <laughs> daily conversations with the whole family. What was happening, and uh, they appreciated that they were they you know they knew what was happening. They would come over and say hi to Margaret and talk. And uh, so, I, I I think the biggest issue that I like to say to people is communicate, 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 communicate. I don't care who it is. Your friend, your neighbor, your uh, acquaintance, your your uh, buddy that you sit next to at, 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 in the office. Uh, talk about it. What's wrong with that? It's good. Sometimes people don't want to talk to you about it, but that's okay. A lot of people do. Dita, I just want to comment back to you about what you've just said. Two things you said among several that are profoundly important. One is ask questions first of all, of the physicians and nurses and others who you have dealings with. Um, because I've heard many times on this show, Deet, how, in effect, people walk away 
from listening to a physician pronounce the diagnosis and they're stunned. Their minds are racing. What does this mean? They're not really understanding. They're not really hearing. And the maybe this is you as the engineer. The discipline of asking questions means you're finding information rather than just reacting to what is a stunning stream of information. You're wanting explanations. You're wanting to know what happens next. So please, may I reinforce you in in what you just said. And the second thing is talking among ourselves and talking among our family, members of our family, and also talking with others who've traveled the same road. Maybe they're starting out on it. Maybe they've traveled it as you've traveled it down the whole route to the end. But talking with them, sharing your, hearing what they have to say, what they went through is a help because feeling alone in situations like this far from being helpful, actually undermines people. And you walked arm in arm with your, with Margaret. You, too, were in the middle of a talkative environment. And that kept the communications flowing. And communications, when all is said and done, are key to um, coping with situations of the kind that pancreatic cancer presents us with so thank you very much for that I want to say a really true thank you for sharing with us the details of your experience and being so open with us and open with us about your insights and with your advice and so all success to you in everything that you do more and please keep up your efforts to help others with Facing Pancreatic Cancer. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Parenting Parents. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.